Welcome. Now, my name is D. Ludlow. Now, before we get into this episode, go to the description, click the link and get your M&A Mastery Toolkit. This is a free download, which gives you some of the tools and resources that you need to start your M&A journey. Don't forget, go to the description, click the link. It's a free download and enjoy the episode. It works. He's very off the wall with his opinions as well. So I feel that people gravitate towards it whether and most people probably dislike him and um you know he's not a very likable person the way how opinionated he is on very touchy topics right yeah. you know and I, I think that people should be more open to their opinion yeah, yeah. you know we live in a bit of a soft world but yeah. either way um i think that's what's making people like watch him because yes. they're like what's he gonna say next yes and it's those subjects isn't it it's uh religion <laughs> money yeah uh gender yeah yeah big. and it's so yeah. so interesting that he goes it's not by mistake. No. These things affect all of us, right? So it's very macro interest audience yeah. groups. No matter who you are, you've got this experience of one of those things in your life. Yeah. So he's hammered down on these mass market interests, which again is not to be taken lightly. It's genius. Yeah. So that probably leads me on to my next question really is, you know, TikTok clearly yeah. the reach is insane. Yeah. You've built yours very quickly. Mate, it's gone. It's, it's, yeah. it's, I actually haven't posted on there consistently for the last month, but now I'm actually trying. So I went on there for a month, saw what, you know, I got some coaching, yeah. saw what could happen. Um, one of my Dragon's Den clips has nearly got a million views, Crazy. and that's in like three months. And now I've actually pulled back, and I'm actually trying to make a strategy out of how to use it best. Yeah. So I haven't been consistent. But again, it's like that sell your soul kind of principle applies man and this is something that i'm always torn between with social media as well like, i know what's going to get me the engagement you know it's, it's you know for example the luxury car versus the business advice um one's infinitely more powerful and impactful for people's lives than the other but that's not what people want to see and when you're talking about just getting reach you have to take that into consideration so now it's like okay i know all my dragons then pieces get me the biggest reach and the biggest audience but I don't know if it's, um, I don't even know what, what how to describe it, but it's like, do I just want to be known for that guy who went and pitched on Dragon's Den when I've yeah. built a successful career? And it's like, you know, how far do you lean into kind of sacrificing who you really are to showcase and get the views and the reach? And there's that integrity question. You know, if I know my Porsche, just everything would be about the Porsche, wouldn't it? Yeah. But I have like uh, a level of integrity where, there's people in the real world in my community who know me for who I am and they know that's not me. Mm. So it's like, then they'd have to ask the question, is Aaron who he says he is or is he this, you know, clout chasing mm. social media wannabe? You know what I mean? Mm. And it's like, how far do you lean into each direction? And of course, every direction comes with sacrifice. So if I was as polarizing as Tate on all these subjects, would I get more sales? Yes. But being the richest man in the world or a billionaire, is that the most important thing for me when I think about when my son grows up, what he's going to think of me? Yeah. Is that who I want my son to become? You know, it's, it's tough yeah. because we'll die and we'll leave our social media footprint and that's what eventually your kids are going to have a look at when they want to remember you. I agree. And it, that's a very good point that I think a lot of people, yeah, they don't think about much. Yeah. Uh, another person that I wouldn't mind getting your opinion on just because we're on the yeah, top yeah. of social media is Alex Hamosi. Um, you know, it's insane what he, yeah, what he has done. Yeah. Again, another person that has, you know, taken over social media, but I would say more in a, like 
more ethical, better way. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you know, he's, one, he's shaking up the course market because, yeah. look, he, he ain't selling no courses. He's yeah. doing it all for free. So a lot of the course creators that don't give too much value and just yeah. recycling value, you need to watch out. Um, yeah. But, yeah, what's your thoughts on him and how he's done it? Because he's done it in a very different way as well. Yeah, Alex Hormozzi for me, yeah. He got gifted, his book, uh, $100 million offers, got gifted to me by one of my students. Right. And he bought he bought us two copies, one for me and one to gift. And uh, I read that book in Dubai, your favourite yeah, yeah, place yeah. in the world. <laughs> <laughs> so I went on holiday and uh, that was the only you know, place that I would have time to finish a book cover yeah. to cover. It's very short. Yeah. And uh, I read that book literally sitting by the poolside, like religiously just covering pages at a pace I've never done with any other book. And for me, he like condensed six years worth of like understanding of offers, mm. copywriting, um, and hooks into those pages. Like, if not twenty x more than I've experienced in my own six years, trying to piece it all together on just figuring out how it works. And for his, you know, um, businesses and his track record, it's all validated yeah. and it's all open to the public, rather than what you see on other, you know, like Tate. You don't know; it could all be a facade. Like, yeah. you no know, one's seen the numbers. Like. It, you have to take his word for it. And yeah. as a marketer, you can't really take his word for it. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So like with Alex Hormozzi, I think the value that guy brings, that book, Game Changer, I yeah. bought it for all my staff members on the delivery team. Go and read this. One of them quit and started his own thing straight away because he's that <laughs> fucking confident. Yeah. About it. I was yeah. like, oh, okay, I'm not going to be giving those resources again. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And um, well, he didn't quit. He went part time. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah. He'll probably be back full time soon when he realizes not just the book. It's that's gonna, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but he, you know, Alex Hormozzi, man. What more can I say? If you don't know who he is and you don't follow his content, oh. you're losing out because it's pure truth. It's very, very factual, and it's ultimately all about influence and persuasion and that's all sales and marketing is influence yeah. and persuasion it's all actionable content too which is yeah. really good um cool you mentioned dragon's den i didn't want yeah. to talk too much about it today i just told you i hate my performance no, 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 yeah. <laughs> i'm sick of being on dragon's yeah, den yeah <laughs> but only because i know that it's a hot topic for you and everyone asks you about yeah it yeah that's great but one of the things i was i was going to ask you really about it because it's, it's it's amazing what you've done we've had conversations yeah, yeah. before about this and i think everyone's heard the story but yeah which dragon was easiest to interact with and which one had the biggest poker face? Uh, poker face, I would say, was definitely Peter Jones because, you know, he's a big character. He's got a big presence in the den. He's like one of the... He's like, you know, his top seat, which means also you're not sitting... You're not standing in the middle of all of them. Mm. Like, Tuca and all those guys are a bit further away. Peter, Steve, Deborah are right, like, centre stage in front mm. of you. So as you're reading the room... You know, obviously you're trying to engage with every single person, but you feel that presence more from the right-hand side. Right. And, you know, he gave... He's been on there so long. He's seen so many pictures. I couldn't even imagine how draining it is to f sit there and listen to all the crap that people come out with. Um, so he's very, like, blank and, you know, poised, I'd say. Um, and then when it came to the biggest kind of interaction was definitely Stephen Bartlett, who is, again, the GOAT. And previously, you know, I looked at Stephen and what he achieved in the agency. I followed him from so, so long ago. And it's when I was starting my agency. I sent him a message and I asked him about scaling teams and how he does it. It's still on the, his personal yeah. Facebook profile. Yeah. Um, and he actually referenced in the den and helped us out a lot. Because the energy was very tense, as you can imagine. And then he actually interrupted me and said, Aaron, how do I know you? 
And as soon as he said that, like, obviously I said, oh, social media background, and he said, oh, didn't you send me a message a couple of years ago? I'm like, what? I completely forgot I'd even sent it. Because obviously you don't get a reply, you don't, you just forget about it. Um, and as soon as he said that, the energy dropped in the room and everyone felt like if he knows who Aaron Branch is, he must have a, an ounce of credibility about him because he's the social media guy. So, you know, the feedback he gave, he was the last one to say, I'm out as well. You know, he um, you know he referenced like humility and, and just how we've presented and mate, you can't get a bigger cosign than that. So it's phenomenal. I'm forever grateful he did that to three to four million people watching that show. And off the back of that, you go under immense pressure. I can I can't imagine the yeah, pressure yeah. inside the den. So regardless of how confident a you are, a bit more than our event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know. Regardless of how confident you are as a public speaker, yeah. that's different, right? I, can, I can't imagine how that feels and the pressure you're, you're under, right? Yeah, yeah. What was like the one thing that you took away from there? Not just like, oh, I just took this away, but what was the one thing that you thought, I need to get better at this? Mm, that's something that... Um, that's a tough one, you know? Because for me, I feel like I gave the very best of what mm. I am on that, on that thing. Yeah. Um, we didn't get the money, but we knew what we were asking for was uh, a very small drop in the ocean for what we needed. When we told them we need 15 million over five years, they're all like, <laughs> you know, if it was uh, Britain's Got Talent, they're all hitting the red buzzer at that point. Yeah. Um, but I feel like, you know, I've got no regrets. I feel like my skill set is strong enough for me to stand behind it and say, we got the best possible outcome we could have got from going on that show. And in terms of improvements, I don't even, uh, mate, I've, Honestly, I think I nailed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, what, what could I have done more? I inserted story, like talk from a power speaker yeah. perspective, right? How do you engage people? Introduce story. First question they asked me, she said something about a baby. I'm like, boom, this is my context. This is what I'm going through right now. Insert a story. People love stories more than they love facts. Yeah. So now you can feed your facts in of why this thing is important based on a life experience and a story and entertain again, yeah. start bringing some uh, personality to the pitch. And then Deborah, you know, cut me off and said, all right, all right, it's not a therapy session. And then everyone in the den was laughing, but it completely broke the ice as opposed to me just being the guy standing there talking about, this is our business. This is what it does. This is the market size. These are the numbers. This is what we've done so far. It's boring. Yeah. And people when, you know, especially with my experience with raising money from investors now, you know, we've done successful crowdfunding campaigns. We're now raising money for my agency. It's like people need more than just a business opportunity. They want to know who the people are and they want to enjoy that journey with you as well. They want to support you. They want to be a part of it, whether that's through just having the success and getting the financial reward, but also, you know, interacting with the business, promoting the business, being a proud investor in the project. That's super, super powerful. And that's what I've found so many investors want now. It's yeah. not just, there's so many, there are limitless opportunities to invest yeah. in stuff. So when you're looking at a cash part and you're thinking, what am I going to go with? You're probably going to go with what gives you the most fulfillment and joy. Yeah, definitely. And, and you, do, you do see people's passion behind stuff, but it's not just the passion. I think it's the, the realism as well, because as you know, in business, starting a business, we all get really optimistic at the start, right? Our optimism's insane. And you do yeah. need to have a form of optimism because otherwise it's not going to go anywhere, delusion. right? Delusion. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's when it gets bad is when it becomes delusional. Now, I feel that what normally happens in the start that you have all this optimism and then real life punches you in the face and the realism mm -hmm. comes across, right? And then mm -hmm. you're like, okay, pull myself back and go again. So yeah, I feel that investors want to see 
the realism, optimism, and passion yeah, yeah. all wrapped up in one. Hundred percent. They want to see your authentic on it. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. So, and now moving on to quickly just to Facebook ads. Yeah. Um, I know we talked right at the start, but I forgot to mention something. Now we mentioned retainers, right? Yes. And I understand that as someone who runs ads, you're going to want some sort of retainer because you know you're going to want to. Go, I want to get paid for this mm-hmm. regardless, right? And because they're not performance based mm-hmm. and they're based on retainers and the competitive nature of advertising now, mm-hmm. um, for someone to even consider paying someone who's good like yourself, because obviously I know that we've worked on with ads, yeah. you taught me how to run ads. Yeah. Um, now, what do people really need to be budgeting per month to make a dent, right? Yeah. I understand it depends on the product or the service, yeah, yeah, yeah. but to, yeah. even, to even be worth paying someone good a retainer because yes. they're not cheap. What are they going to fuel what, the car yeah. with to actually get yeah, the what do you, out there? Where do you need to start? Yeah, yeah you need at least a grand. Yeah. Right? If you're not spending a £1,000 a month, which is £35 a day, yeah. you're just not going to have the impressions. And what, one thing that people don't realise is there's different audience categories on social media. So if you're spending a small budget, the algorithm knows you're not a big business mm. so it means that it's going to show you the smaller your budget that means not only you're going to see by less audience people but you're also going to get the lowest quality of that traffic in that audience so let's say you've got a million people interested in podcasts if you're spending five pound a day they're going to show you to the bottom 10 percent of that audience because why would they give you the cream of the crop <laughs> when you're only spending five pound a day what's in it for them yeah. right so what they want to do is they want to reward the bigger budgets because not only do you need good adverts, good offers, and good product, but you also need a good budget because you want to be hitting those mid-tier and high-tier level of quality in the audiences. And without those budgets, you know, a thousand pound a day, you shouldn't be advertising because you should be looking at how can I leverage that money and actually get something else going for the business, whether that be direct outreach, whether that be cold calling. Like all of these different avenues can help you get to the same result, but you can't just you can't you can't look at building a vehicle, paying someone a retainer, and then saying, "Oh, there's no fuel to go in it." Yeah. What's the point in that? That's why, again, if you don't have that level of capital in the business, just learn how to do it yourself, mm. run your own stuff, and then build up to. But everyone wants everyone wants it all, and they don't want to do shit for it, right? Yeah. And oh, I'll just pay an agency, and they'll make all my dreams come true. No, they won't, because. <laughs> It doesn't work like that. No. You've got to put your sweat equity into it. You've got to put your graft into it. You've got to lead your agency. Yeah. You know, people say, oh, you know, I've hired this agency. Tell me what to do. And it's like you hired, you hired us to, to generate leads. We've generated leads. Now you're asking us what to do with those leads. Who's, who's going to run the business? Like who's actually making this machine work? Yeah. Because we're not going to be your agency and your CEO. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's where, that's where you come to. And it's like, it's like some people's, and this is a problem with entrepreneurship. There's no qualification to register on company's house, no. right? Anybody mm. can be an entrepreneur, which means anybody with any ridiculous belief system can start a business for 20 quid and hire an agency. Yeah. And believe me, you get all colors of the rainbow. Yeah, definitely. Uh, something I said earlier on was, you know, social media baffles me because, you know, you don't have, actually have to achieve anything yeah. to look like you have. And yeah. that's, that's an issue. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, now I know that, you know, I know your story and I know you've been more open with your story, especially yeah. over the past, you know, couple of months. Yeah, you know? yeah, six months. Um, so. And, you know, I know that, you know, you've talked about the different parts where, you, you know, it's been a struggle yeah. uh, in business. Business is never easy. And yeah, it yeah. says a smooth sailing's lying. Yeah, um, yeah. Now, what's been your darkest hour in business? 
darkest hour in business was definitely we scaled the business dramatically aggressively everything you could imagine that i've said i don't do now like completely unsustainably there was no targets it was sell as much as you can sell to the sales team and delivery team we're going to hire you as quick as we can hire you to fulfill the work and it worked we were getting amazing results to a degree until project builds was 20 projects waiting to be constructed Mm-hmm. And, you know, it got to a point where the delivery team were, you, you know, normally now we get a new project, everyone's celebrating. Yes, new new business wants to work with us, wants our ideas, wants our creativity. And that was the beginning. And then you go into this position where you get a new project and everyone's like, oh, you know, what are we going to, who's going to do this work? I'm already overloaded. Mm-hmm. How am I going to fit another project building? And no matter how good of a performance manager you are, burning your team out is only going to result in one thing. They're going to pack up their stuff and they're going to go, mm. especially when they're conscious of how transparent you are mm. with who the clients are, how much they pay, what services you offer. Um, they're just going to choose an easier route because that's human nature. And when I scaled the business that aggressively, all of a sudden all the cracks started to show. Um, you know, people, started, people started to leave. They started to say, look, I can't do this anymore. Mental health... And I, I agree with all the reasons why most of them left as well. Um, and there's no money that I could throw at that problem that would solve it either. It's like, all right, how much do you want? Like, I, don't, I don't want anything. I just want to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and as a business owner, you're like, but dude, like, we're building the dream. Yeah. You know, we're, we're, we're on the boat. We're going. We're, we're traveling to the destination. And they're like, nah, they're just so, they were just so downtrodden in that very short, it was like, it was like a, you know, a year and a half uh, period. And it was only the, the last three months of that where it all started to crumble when we were at our biggest. And the, the other thing about scaling a business for the first time with no investor capital previously is all of your operations and all of your systems are catching up. Mm. So your staff handbook, your legal contracts, you're, you're, you're uncovering problems and you're like, all right, we need a contract to sort that out. We need a clause to sort that out. We need a handbook to establish that they have to come into the office dressed appropriately for work, believe it or not. 24 team members, people start turning up in all sorts of attire. It just it just brings down the company culture and the standards that we had. But you think it's common sense, you know what I mean? And it's not. It's There's no such thing as the common sense in the office. Um, and you know, it, it got to that point and that's when we started to see reputational damage because I couldn't hire someone quick enough anyway. And hiring someone I had to hire two people, train them to get the results because someone's left and I'm overwhelmed with work already. You know, that's when overwhelm kicked in for me and there was no one to pass. You know, even my co-director, I put a lot of weight on his shoulders. He was crumbling because he wasn't ready for that responsibility. Uh, None of us were. And at at the same way, the financials were great. And at the end of the day, from a selfish uh, perspective, from a business perspective as an investor in the business, I would have been like, so what? You know, it's all good. But then again, that integrity question comes into it. Is this the type of business that I'm proud of right now? And is it, you know, the type of business that's got longevity and sustainability? And again, without the right people, you're never going to have those things. So for the, the darkest days really were going through that period. Obviously, the pandemic didn't help either because now all of a sudden I'm having like mini uh, protests happening in my office from groups of staff saying we're not coming in you can't force us to come in the office and it's like you know these 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 legal templates that they've sent me all at the same time and hit send you know that was one of the darkest times actually you know as I think of a moment where my my heart was crushed these people you start their careers you train them from scratch you give them 
bonuses you promote them before they even should because there's just there's growth in the business you know all these things that you try to empower them with you give them you know all of these incentives these you know these perks health insurance and uh you know mental health support services like i spent so much trying to you know engage my employee base and uh when that second announcement came for lockdown from uh, big boris literally a moment after that announcement came, I got three, boom, boom, boom. My Gmail just went off three times from three staff members. And it's all the same template, right? So it's all pre, you know, it's how long have we been planning this? You know what I mean? How long have, how much time have we spent together whilst they know, whilst they're sitting with me? I'm about to turn this on its head and you've got no idea, right? And I'm not, I'm not here for the vision on the whole company as a whole. I'm just here for what's in it for me. Mm. You know, obviously I have to call our head of legal and be like, dude, what are we saying about this? You know what I mean? Um, And and, and then once, once I finished on that call, I just sat in the car for about 10 minutes, just like, what is this? Like, this isn't, this isn't me. This isn't why I started a business. This isn't the kind of people who I'd have in my life. So why do I have them in my staff? Yeah. You know what I mean? And, it was, it, and ultimately, look, I wasn't forcing, I didn't even, I didn't even announce what we were going to do. I could have said we're all going remote anyway, yeah. but it was the, it was the kind of approach of, it doesn't matter what you say, we're going to lead ourselves in this organization. And it was just soul crushing. And it just, it was an emotional, and look, it's very, business is very emotional, as, as cutthroat as you want to be. Like, you, you, you feel that emotion and you feel that betrayal and, you also feel like you know you've got your loyal, your most loyal team members who you just trust through and through. That would never, and and again, we used it as an opportunity to share it with the team. Like after they left, of course. Yeah. Which, how can they continue in the business when, you know, if this is what you're doing on the front end of your employment, what are you doing on client campaigns? So then you start going through a magnifying glass of everything mm-hmm. they're doing, and it comes to find out they're not doing half as much as they should have been. Yeah. Hence the performance, and you overlook all these things because. Again, as an owner, you've got this macro vision of your business and you need, you need to have a, a leadership team who you completely trust mm. to be able to execute the vision on the executive level and, and guide them on where they need to go. But again, as you scale so fast, everything's catching up. Yeah, it is. Diff- and, and it was a very difficult time anyway. And, and managing staff through that period was hard. Yeah. Oh, well, you know yeah. the best part about it? Everyone's sacking everyone. Yeah. At this point, <laughs> dude, we, uh, I made this like, I don't even know what it is, but I felt like I had some kind of conscious responsibility to tell my team, no one's losing a job through this, no matter what. And I said that, I said, none of you, get in, I'm getting agencies calling us up saying, listen, I'm starting from scratch again. How do I do this now without having the staff? Cause I don't have them. Right. And I'm like, this is what's happening. You all know it. You know, the whole world knows all these mass job losses, but you guys are safe all 24 of you, and then that happens, and that's like, you know, the biggest cream pie in your face that you could ever not wish for. Yeah, definitely. Well, we're going to end now on a on a fun question. Okay, good. Okay. Um, Goes from the darkest days. Yeah, no, you know, it, 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 <laughs> no yeah. but they're over. They are over, and that's why I can talk about them so openly. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you know, I'd rather be honest with people, because when people used to say to me, oh, should I start a business? It was 150%. Of course you should. So, you're a basketball player. Ex-basketball player. Ex, okay. But I've still got the skills. I still see you shoot around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we need to make a game happen, like social oh, agendas sure. versus 5am club. 100%. 100%. <laughs> um, so, um, if you were down in a game, mm. 
two seconds, uh, down by two with five seconds left, and you could pick one player who's still actively playing the game right now to make that clutch shot, who would it be? Anyone in the world. But they still have to actively playing right now. You're talking like professionally, yeah? Perfect, yeah. Clutch players. Are they active? Okay. Active right now. Oh, man. Well, first of all, it would have been Kobe, obviously, but yeah. he's not active, yeah. unfortunately. Um, come on, man. Steph Curry, man. God almighty. It's got to be <laughs> Steph Curry, dude. Yes. I was hoping you were going to say Steph. But yeah. He, but that's, obviously, that's just because he is doing it right now. Yeah. But Obviously, yeah. right now, if you are gonna, if you want to win the game. All right, that's right now. <laughs> but I've got to give homage to the players who I grew up watching yeah. and idolising. And for me, my two favourite players were Dirk Nowitzki, who oh, won the yeah. title against LeBron oh. and all them on his yeah. own. Oh, yeah. And um, Paul Pierce with oh, the Celtics, yeah. who Insane. took a trophy off Kobe himself. Yeah. And he was so clutch, Paul Pierce. And yeah. he was slow. He was, like, overweight. Yeah. He, he did it all he, against him. Yeah. But his brain was just functioning on a higher level. And those... You know, Dirk Nowitzki, unathletic, but again, they've both walked away with a massive print on the game. And fundamentals. Yeah, man, yeah. fundamentals. And like, even that last shot, you talk about clutch shots, right? I think about that all the time when I'm when I'm shooting in my car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, Dirk Nowitzki is known for his fadeaway jump shot. Yeah. And he pump fakes, and everybody obviously assumes in the final game he's going to go to his most used move, mm. but he doesn't. Everyone thinks he is. They jump up. He goes and takes a left-handed layup to win the whole series. Like, and you've got the most athletic players, Dwayne Wade, LeBron, Chris Bosh, all defending you, knowing you're about to do this. <laughs> yeah. And he's still, and that's the power of thought. And it's it just, is. that's what strategy is all about. Definitely reading the game, just re understanding, yeah, yeah. reading the game, awareness, positioning. So to, to, to finish this up, um, you know, basketball does bring its own discipline, right? And, mm. you know, do you think that, Playing basketball and being involved in sport give you a competitive edge in business. Hundred percent. If you're coming from a sports background, I even in my hiring, I used to target when we were running ads for new staff, uh, sports interests mm. because not to say that it automatically makes them a success in what they do next, but that that ability to learn how to lose in a sports context. You said are oh, down down by two. I thought you were going to say you know you're down by twenty at yeah. half. What do you what do you yeah, do to yeah, pick yeah. yourself up? And I've been there so many times. Um, and if you know how to lose well, you, you're going to lose so much in business. Yeah. You're going to lose so much. And it's like, if you learn how to lose well, you'll be able to overcome it so much more effectively and efficiently. And that's why sports people, when they finish with their careers in sport, which is always a short period, mm. you know, you've got the rest of your life ahead of you. That's yeah. why so many of them become massive successes in business and other things, because it's just applying that discipline, that routine, um, and that resilience that you need. And also, you know, you talked about it earlier, that delusion and that optimism. To be considered as a professional athlete, you've got to be a bit crazy because yeah. there's so little jobs in it and the, the risk of getting injured and it all being over tomorrow is so high. So when they transition that to business where things are much kind of less risk when it comes mm. to um, the opportunity for success, I'd say. Mm. There's so much more opportunity for being successful because the market's so much bigger than all those small jobs. That's why I see so many athletes just absolutely killing it. I agree. Well, look, as usual, really appreciate Thank your time. Thank you for having me, dude. Thanks for Great coming, questions, by the way. Appreciate the questions. Yeah, and no, I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad uh, we managed to get it done again. I know we've spoke a few times, yeah. but yeah. Thanks so much. It.